Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hey, this is Riley Cote. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... You're listening to... Snow the Goalie. The Snow the Goalie. 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 Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the Goalie. First no. of all, it's oh yeah. That's what you did no. last week. I did one oh yes and oh yeah. No, you did oh yeah twice. I didn't. Last You're week. wrong. Ryan Lennox will go to the to the uh, the audio from last week. One was oh yes and one was oh yeah. They were both oh yeah. Hundred percent. Nope. You're wrong. Right. I'm right. I know I'm right. Welcome into Snow the Goalie, <laughs> the only, well, the only Flyers podcast, but of course the only Philadelphia Flyers radio show in the Philadelphia market here on six ten ESPN Radio Philadelphia, and um. For all the positivity that we felt a week ago, yeah, Flyers were on a heck of a run. Great, five zero and one. Yeah, three shootout wins, mm-hmm. an overtime win, really excellent results back to back nights over Toronto and Boston on the road. We uh, we looked ahead at uh, the week ahead. I think you said they were going to go two and one. I did. I was wrong. Fall behind early to Washington on national TV last Wednesday. They go off to Ottawa and did a uh, That's So Flyers and uh, didn't show up in Ottawa. And then they compounded things exponentially on Saturday when they took a 3-0 lead into the third period, blew that 3-0 lead, went into OT, went into the shootout, and dropped a 4-3 result. So your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers have lost three straight. I guess the silver lining is that they picked up two points in the process, but they're loser points. Call them what they are. Should you get a point for a shootout loss, for an overtime loss? Does it do much for you? I mean, sure, it does something for the standings, but ultimately, you didn't get the job done. No, they went 0-1-2 and in their last three games, Russ. Um, they looked okay for two periods against Washington. Um, and the overtime, I thought they were very good. Uh, and then eventually, J- Carter Hart was great in the entire game, especially the first period with all those saves. Um, and then uh, uh, the team didn't play great in front of them. And then in the shootout, obviously, they just, you know, it, Washington's got TJ Oshie, who might be the best shootout player ever, and um, Kuznetsov. And they both you know, took took their time. They forced Carter Hart to kind of like lull him to sleep a little bit or make a move first before they shot the puck. And Hart had been really good in, sh- in shootouts before that. Um, so I think that that was a new approach. Uh, then you're right. The, the Ottawa game was a mess, um, even though it was only 2-1. to one. I mean, Ottawa stinks. Uh, but the Flyers just did not. They played down to their competition. And in the Islanders game, they were they were really good for you know the first 20 minutes. Um Pretty good in the second period, I'd say. Um, even though the Islanders probably, you know, statistically were probably a little bit better, but I mean, still the Flyers were not bad. Had that three nothing lead into the third, and then all of a sudden, like that quick, it went away, and that, and then they lose in the shootout. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a disappointing, uh, you know, week after the big week the week before, winning the two games on the road in Toronto and and Boston. Um, 
you know, that said, I mean, really, they're five, one, and three in their last nine, so points in eight out of nine. So you can look at it optimistically and say, you know, hey, you know, you still got points in eight of the last nine games. Sure, um, go a little macro sample versus the micro. Or you can look at it and say you've lost three in a row. That's the way I'd rather go. Well, but they got points in two of those three. They did. I'm just saying. But uh, now, um, now, look, you, you think of the difference, though, in each of those points. The game against Washington, I think a lot of people thought that because of the hot streak they were on, they were going to be competitive against Washington. You think back to their, was it the last nationally televised game they had done was against Pittsburgh where they got absolutely slaughtered, embarrassed right. in front of a national audience. So then the thought was, were, are they going to go out and crap the bed again? And they didn't. They they. The underlying stats will tell you that they played a, a solid enough game against Washington. They they got outworked in that first period. They managed to kind of turn it around and with what ten odd minutes left in the second period, third period. Was no, the entire. I thought so, the entire second period was great. In all honesty, against yeah. Washington, and in the third period, I thought they were really good for the first twelve, thirteen minutes of the third period. Then Washington put some pressure on again yeah. at the end of the third period. Hart was big again. And then the Flyers controlled overtime, which I hate, because now three-on-three is no longer wide-open hockey. It's become a game of keep-away. I mean, that's really what it's become. And then you take your chance and then hope you get back. If you don't get back, the other team's good. But, I mean, three-on-three was supposed to deter shootouts. The Flyers have had one game end in overtime and have gone to shootout seven times. This is why they need to change. It's not deterring They need to change the point system or they need to change what happens. They they need to change the value. I mean, you could keep the shootout and just change the value. In other words, if you still win in overtime, it's still, it could be two points and zero. Yeah. No, you don't get the loser point. Yeah. You know, and then and then shootouts maybe. uh, I think you should go down to one and zero. Well, you could go one and zero or you could go make a win worth three. Yeah. And then two and one. Go so that it. way it's a value. Ah, the soccer system. Look at you. Oh, it's not really a it's Look so- at you. All three points. I'm not a fan of I like it. Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna change records and stuff, but it doesn't matter. The point it, is yeah. is that it needs to be it needs to be rectified. But what I was what I want to talk about with the Flyers, and obviously this is gonna to relate to the big move from today, where they called up more uh, Morgan Frost. And as I said in the headline, um the center. As I said in the headline, um the uh, Flyers Twitter thought it was the rapture today yeah. when when they called up. Morgan Frost, uh, but it kind of relates. I mean, and what the Flyers are doing with this decision is, even though Frost probably isn't 100% ready for the NHL right now, the offense is so inex- uh, non-existent that they're that they need to try and light a fire under it. And they don't think that Morgan Frost is going to come in here. This is this is going to be my take on this whole thing. They don't they don't expect Morgan Frost to come in here and add offense. Morgan Frost is here for one reason and one reason only, to wake up the rest of the team that's not scoring. To basically say, look, we're bringing him in. We're going to put him in a top six role. He might play top power play, and we'll keep doing things like this. And if you don't if you don't perform, you're either going to play less or maybe we'll ship you out of town. And I think that that's the message that's being sent. And we'll get into it a little bit because Elaine Vigneault actually kind of discussed this uh, after practice today, Bill Meltzer uh, got some really great quotes from AV. Um, really, really good quotes. And, and we'll get into them a little bit today when we're talking about the veterans and, and talking about the situation. But Morgan Frost is here to kind of wake the team up offensively. Because in the, in the month of November, if you take away, Russ, ju- the, the goals that they get credited for winning a shootout, Okay, because it's not a real goal. It's just an it's an arbitrary, it's an imaginary goal 
right? It's, yep. it's not a goal that was actually scored. It's an imaginary yep. goal. Um, but you say they've won three shootout games in November. You take those three away. The Flyers have scored 22 goals in nine games. That's 2.44 That's 2.44 goals a game. That's not enough. Nope. It's just not enough. And while, to be fair, they've given up less than that, I mean, which is, you know. They were at 1.5 goals, I think, scored going into the New York game. 1.5 in their last, 1.5 goals in their last four. Yeah. So it, the scoring's been down. It's there's, down. Now there's been a system only, change, which is fine. But not only that, not only that, not only is the scoring down, but it's the same guys that are scoring for them. Yeah. I mean, a majority of the goals are coming from Couturier, Konechny, Lindblom. Yeah. I mean, that's really it. I mean, nobody nobody else is really scoring. Um, and, and yes, there has been a slight adjustment to the system. There's no doubt about it. I mean, and it's not – I wrote about this the other day. You look at the way that they're playing – since those back-to-back losses to the Islanders and Penguins, which were a disaster, and they were getting absolutely throttled um, by the uh, uh, by for- the forecheck of the opposition, um, they really kind of made it a more the breakout, more of a team breakout. They got forwards are coming back deeper, helping out a little bit more. Um, simpler passes, little shorter. Enough, they're not trying to stretch anything. They're not trying to do anything crazy to get the puck out of the zone. Um, they're really just kind of playing. A, a, a simpler style, but what it's preventing is it's preventing those big offensive rushes. It's really becoming a a grind to get the puck up ice and into into the scoring position because the guys are expending so much energy just getting the puck through the neutral zone. Okay, so that's what that's part of the reason. And then of course the, the power play kind of is going a little south. I mean, not bad, but it's it's going down just a little bit. Um, so they're just not putting the puck in the net. So they have to make changes. I, Look, I, I'm not certain that what we saw in practice today is what you're going to see in the lineup when they play Florida tomorrow night. But it surprises me, Russ, that they changed, they broke up that Couturier line. I'm not shocked by it. I mean, I I know why you're. I get arguably it. disappointed in it. I get it. But if it's going so well, I mean, that's not, it's, you basically say, all right, here's a line that's going well. Let's let's not touch that one. Yeah. And let's figure out what we have left amongst the other nine players. And I, you know, the, my suggestion was that you, you know, you, you can, you could sneak Farabee down to the line with Hayes and and Van Riemsdyk, and uh, play Frost with Giroux and, and Voracek, and and really kind of spread, still spread out, you know, what the offense is. They they had the the same idea, but did it a little bit differently. They put Farabee on the top line with Couturier and Lindblom. Um, and dropped Konechny with Giroux and Frost, and then kept Voracek down on the third line, with the, which is now the most overpaid line in hockey, uh, with Van Riemsdyk and Kevin Hayes. By the way, Van Riemsdyk and Kevin Hayes combined have one goal in the last 11 games. Not good. Um, so, I mean, that's really what we're looking at. Uh, that's what they showed in practice today. Frost also alternated with, J- with um, Jake Voracek on the top power play unit. Um, again, I think it's a message uh, that's being sent to, to to Jake. And while we're at it, Russ, why don't we just dig into the comments, right? So um, after afterwards, he one of the things that AV was asked about those three guys. He says, well, you know, what do you think about JVR, Kevin Hayes, and Jake right now? I mean, they're all playing together. And his response was. I love the guys. I need more out of the hockey players. 
It's so, rough. It's, I mean, I mean, that's that's really kind of a that's a great quote from a coach. Sure. Right. I mean, that's that's being as honest as he can be, and he's basically saying, "Look, I don't want to throw these guys under the bus because I like them. They're hard workers." It's not like they're lazy. It's not like they're not trying. It's not like they're just sitting on their wallets because it's not. We know all three of those guys. Two of them better than the third. I mean, you know, we don't know Kevin Hayes as well, but we know JVR. Um, we know Jake well, and and we know that that there's a compete level there. Sure. Okay. And and you see it with Kevin Hayes too. I mean, he he's the one thing is is he's been really good defensively and he's been good on the penalty kill. So I mean, if if you were he's just been kind of, as advertised right, if as you, a two way forward, right? If you're gonna be if you're gonna be a lollygagger, you're not gonna be good on on that end either, right? So but he's not. And so to hear the coach basically say, look, I, I love the I love what they give me effort wise, and I love what they give me as people, but they're not performing up to what we need them to perform as as hockey players. Well, I mean, <laughs> look at look at the third line as it's currently constructed, as it as it rolled out in practice. Mm-hmm. James Van Riemsdyk, Kevin Hayes, Jake Voracek. You add up those three players, they are the number two, three, and four highest paid players on this roster. Yep. And they are your third line. Now, historically, it tends to work out that Claude Giroux's line is the only one that scores, and every other line be damned, right? And it's constantly a, a fight to try to find second-line scoring outside of the G line. And this season, out of nowhere, this Sean Couturier-led line has exceeded expectations to the max. Like the, It's almost as if everything that Flyers fans have, have prayed for for the last three years in terms of getting scoring from another line has finally come to fruition. And the four highest played guys, I mean, let's put Giroux in here as well, the top four paid guys on this roster haven't gotten it done on their respective lines. And so now you look, and it, and and we're beyond the point of this looking like contract albatrosses. I mean, you've got three on the same line now. Jake Voracek is the sixth highest play, paid right winger in the NHL. James Van Riemsdyk is making $7 million a year. Kevin Hayes, just over $7 million a year. And when we said in the offseason that the Kevin Hayes signing is an overpay. There was no doubt about that. And we got backlash from people who said he's exactly what this team needs. He's a legit 2C. Well, I keep telling you he's not a 2C. <laughs> I've been we, saying it since the day I was he got impressed. him, right? I was initially impressed in the preseason. I was impressed with him in the first five, six games of the season because I thought that he did a good job of bringing stability. And, and if we're being honest, with Nolan Patrick's status being a total question mark and continuing to look kind of doom and gloomy at it, uh, he is a guy that they, they needed that position filled, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, an injury to Scott Lawton was another part of this, where they've had to now push Claude Giroux back to being a center, which you don't want. You'd rather him play wing. I think he's a more effective player at this point in his career as a wing. You look at all these things together, and it's it's just misallocation of funds. I mean, as far as I can see, the James Van Riemsdyk signing has not totally hit disaster mode because he ended up putting it together. He had you know some injuries last year. He was out for a bit, and he ended up scoring towards the end of the season, and, and that got his stats up to where you'd kind of expect them. He's still a goal scorer. He just hasn't been able to find the back of the net yet. Kevin Hayes at over $7 million a year, it's an issue because we said the only way that you wanted to see Kevin Hayes as the third-line center is if Nolan Patrick took the next step in his development and managed to outplay Hayes and take that 2C role. That would have been a good thing. Well, Nolan Patrick's nowhere to be found. 
Claude Giroux's moved back to to center. Sean Couturier is your 2C, and now you've got this $7.14 million albatross at center. And by the way, I know that he's got a high compete level, but Jake Voracek hasn't gotten it done that uh, that much this season either. And Voracek's always been, you know, a a primary goal um, goal creating threat on this team. Sure, he's not going to put up 25, 30 goals a season. He's more of an assist man, and that's fine. But facilitating in the offensive zone and getting his teammates in the optimal position to score is something that we should be able to rely on, and it hasn't been there yet. I mean, back to Kevin Hayes really quickly just for a second. Like We're at about the quarter mark of the season, and if the numbers hold the way that, they're all, that they are, he's at four goals and nine assists. Multiply each of those by four. You're at 16 goals. No, at, not nine assists. Three assists. Who am I? Wait. You're looking at JVR. I mean, I'm looking at Jake. My bad. Or Jake. I'm sorry. Four goals. So 16 goals on the season if these project out. And 12 total assists. A 28-point man making $7.14 million. Jake Voracek, over $8 million. Eight and a quarter million. If everything played out, he'd have 16 goals, 36 assists, 52-point season. That's not over $8 million annual money. No. James so, James Van Riemsdyk, just to finish it off, 16 goals, 20 assists, 36 points. Yeah. Doesn't get it done for $7 million. You add those guys up, you're at what? Under 100 or about 100 points for $23 million per season. That's insane. Yeah, no, it is. And and here's the thing I want to say. Right, so you look at Giroux and Vorchek, they only have 13 points each. Uh, Giroux's a little off his normal pace, but I will point out that three uh, two years ago, um, he was hovering right around a point per game um, right when the team was that, that, that ten. if you remember the 10-game losing streak in um, – November, and then they went out west, and all of a sudden they started winning, and Giroux turned into, we've ended up finishing fourth in the Hart Trophy race, finished with 102 points, absolutely went nuts. So Giroux has that ability to just, you know, turn the game up to another level. Um, and that wasn't, that was only two seasons ago. Even last year, he had a stretch where he was really, really good. Didn't finish with 102 points, but was still a really good player. So Giroux, I, I don't worry so much about. I though, really don't. Though he is on the other side of 30 but now. Yeah. And it's not, it's not that... It's not that crossing the 30-year-old threshold is as big of a deal in hockey as it is in some of the other sports. Yeah, it's not. But if he's going to be expected to shoulder the load at center as opposed to wing, I'm not so sure that he can get that kind of point production going this I, season if he has to stay there. I don't think he's going do, to have do to. Do I but. think he's going to finish above 80 points? I do. Okay. I, I think he'll break 80. And, and that's, I mean, you know, about a point a game, and that's fine. Um, the thing about Voracek is he's another guy who this is not ridiculously far off what he is. He's a little, again, a little low. But it's not absurdly low, right? I mean, if you go back and look, you know, even when Voracek was in in his, quote-unquote, in his prime, like I look at a season like, you know, 15-16, where he only had 55 points. That was 61 and 16-17. You know, yes, he had 85 in 17, 18, but then only had 66 last year. So, like, I mean, it's he's not far off of his pace. You say he's 50, he's on pace for what, 56? Yeah. Okay. So he's he's not too far off. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's a little bit behind, but not too far. So those two guys aren't as big of a concern. Hayes and Van Riemsdyk, on the other hand, they bother me that they're as low as they are because they're really low, Russ. They're really low. 
And I think that that's where the message has to come in. And I think that's what Morgan Frost is doing here. I hate to be the guy to keep coming back because I know that you want to go on the, the JVR and Hayes thing. The, the issue with Jake, as you drop your head, the issue with Jake is yes. how, how many times have we on this show said AV is using Jake as an example? Jake is consistently, has consistently, at the early part of the season, been a guy who it feels like there is a message trying to get through from the coach. And none of it's really connected. I get what you're saying, that like point production-wise, fine. He's, he's give or take on pace with what he usually is. So you want the answer to that? I'll tell you sure. what the problem is there. Okay, Voracek is not a good fit for what what Vino likes to do. Okay, Vino likes his players to play a more of a two hundred foot game, and Voracek has never been a two hundred foot player. But you didn't hear people complaining about Voracek not being a two hundred foot player when he was putting up an eighty uh, you know eighty point seasons, right? When he it's like, well, you know, we'll take the occasional turnover, or take the occasional mistake, or take the occasional fact that he doesn't come back and play defense because of how productive he is offensively. But you can't play that style in Vino's system. That's not blaming Vino. It's not blaming Voracek either. It's just saying this is not a marriage of style and player that works. So was it a mistake by Chuck Fletcher to no. to keep him here? Well, to keep him here? Yeah. No, you got to try and find a way to make it work. And it's on both the coach and the player to make it work. I mean, Vino's got to put him in position to do the things that he does well, but Voracek also has to be willing to to do things a little bit differently than he has his entire career. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to do that when you're a veteran player, you know, to adapt to that new system. Again, it's been 20 games. It's not like these guys have been together for three years and it's not working. It's been 20 games. It usually takes a new coach three, four months to really kind of get all the players on board and doing the things that they need to do in a new system. So, I, again, I don't, I don't hold that grudge against Voracek that a lot of people do. I just don't. I just don't. I think that he's a guy that's going to do what he – what he does and he's going to be productive as he's been and we're going to still have moments where he's not you know where he makes a mistake and everybody's going to go oh they're paying him too much money oh get rid of him oh he's terrible but i'll tell you what i mean that's the that's the progression he's on that arc down from the top okay he's on the way back down this is the denouement right for for jake voracek with the fans okay that's where he's at at this point and that's and that's okay. I get it, but you have to you got to put it into perspective and realize that you know again, twenty games in, it's not the end of the world. And it's a good thing. One of the things that Av said today, also when he was talking about these guys, is he said, you know, and we heard him say this the other night, and we were we kind of laughed about it, but he brought it up again today. He said, veteran players start with more money in the bank. You know, in other words, they have more leeway staying in the lineup after bad games because they have a track record of success. However, he did say, Vino said today, that some vets have been making withdrawals from the bank. Now, he didn't identify who specifically, but if we know who it is. Yep. We know who they are, right? So this is the message that's being sent to them. Morgan Frost is that message. And I know everybody went gaga for him today. Oh, Morgan Frost is going to lead us to the Stanley Cup. Here, it's, it's, it's you know... You know, it's time to win. Winter is coming. Here we go. This whole frost thing. It's like, oh my God, people, please. He's not been great in the AHL. He's scoring, he's scoring, but his game is a little bit all over the place right now. And you're going to see it. You're going to see it because Florida's a decent team, well coached team. Carolina's a tough former, team. Former Flyers coach. <laughs> you, you like that? You I like saw that, that in your, uh, yeah, I saw that in your, <laughs> yeah, with the little strike through. You I thought did. that was funny? All right, yeah. good. I'm glad you like that. Um, 
Uh, but uh, <laughs> Kevin's Kevin's already here for the next show, and he's he's making fun of us. Um, but no, seriously, like they're going to play some teams that he's going. Weaknesses are going to are going to show, and I don't think that he's here for the long haul. I think this is a until Scott Lawton's ready to go, and he was there was Which talk today. That, well, next, originally next the date was next so. week, but now there's now there's discussion today at practice that he might be able to play Saturday if he gets cleared by the doctors. So this might only be a two or three game audition for Morgan Frost, and then he goes back down. I, and I tend to think that's more likely the case than the great savior is here to turn the Flyers into you know the the next level of, of great championship teams. If that's the line of thinking, though, is it surprising to you that Frost was given Danny Briere's forty eight, and he didn't get the a uh, high kind of I number? I think that, that was his. Expected? I think that was his training camp number. Okay. I don't think that's what he wants. Okay. He was never. He was never. He never wore forty eight. I mean, Farabee's forty nine. Yeah, Rupsoff was fifty. I mean, they were. That's all the fours sure. just got him in a row. I, I don't think that, that. I just put out that he's wearing Briere's number, but I mean, that's. I don't think that's the number he wants to wear. I go back and look at Morgan Frost throughout his career and junior and whatever. He doesn't wear forty eight. So I think he wears twenty. I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I think he wears twenty. But anyway, regardless, I I don't think Morgan Frost is here. Now look, I. If he comes out, Russ puts up points, looks great, you know, kind of has the start that Farabee had, then he'll stay, and that's good. And that's and the Flyers will take that as a bonus. They sit there and say that's that's awesome that it's, that it worked out that way, you know. In but, fairness, he's being he's being put in a position to be successful. He's not playing the the yeah. <laughs> the four C. <laughs> I have a hard time keeping it together when when people brought up the idea of Morgan Frost as the four C. Yes. Uh, even as a three C. Yeah. Now, in fairness, if he had played the three C and he was being flanked by Jake Voracek and James Van Riemsdyk, you'd still have two good scores. Problem, of course, is there's no two way ability on right. that line. And that's that would be a, an absolute slaughter fest. He's being put on a line where he's got Travis Konechny to do all the work along the boards, right? To be the scrappy guy. He's got a heck of a playmaker in Giroux. In Giroux and, on his and other usually, side. Usually, your second line is your weakest defensive line because they don't match up against a good offensive line. That's usually usually your second line does not go up against the top line. Yep. So that's why putting Frost with Giroux and Konechny, it's not, you know, I wouldn't sit there and tell you Konechny is a great defensive player, nor is Giroux a great defensive player. They're both decent, but they're not, you know. We're going to figure out the processing ability of Morgan Frost. Since he's not going to be up against a top line right. most of the time, we're going to get the feeling of if his decision-making is at the NHL level. Correct. I mean, the physical abilities are what they are. His physical frame, like, he, he is certainly... He's, he's slight. He is certainly not a fully filled-out, you know, 26-year-old NHL player. Yeah. But uh, but the, the mental aspect of this is big, and we'll be able to see it over the next few games. Absolutely. We're going to take a break here, Russ, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, Sam Carcitti from the Philadelphia Inquirer will be calling in uh, to talk uh, talk about the Flyers, talk about Morgan Frost and the veterans, uh, and also to talk about his new book, The the Big 50, about the Flyers, uh, 50 Greatest the Players and, and Moments. Moments. That made the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, so we'll have, we'll have Sam on uh, after the break. So, uh, But you, if you guys want to give us a call at some point here before we wrap up the show at 6 o'clock, feel free to give us a call at 888-728-9941. That's 888-728-9941. 9941. You're listening to Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Welcome back into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers radio show here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Anthony, it's time. 
We've got a guest on the line, the man, the myth, the legend. He writes for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and he's got a new book out. Sam Carcitti of the Philadelphia Inquirer joins us now on Snow the Goalie Radio. Sam, thanks for joining us. Hello. Hey, there yeah, you, you are, Sam. Can you hear me? Yeah, you faded out for his Yeah, we got it. But, uh, we're, we're good, Nick. All right, good. Hey, uh, guys. Doing? We're doing doing great, Sam. Doing great. Thanks for joining us. Um, I, I guess first thing, yeah, first thing we got to talk about today, obviously the big news today, is Morgan Frost getting the call up. Um, I, I wanted to get your take on it, Sam. I, I'm of the mindset that this call up uh, is more of a kind of a way to try and light the fire under the guys who are already here to basically say, well, look, if you're not going to produce, we'll bring in somebody who can. Um, more so than it is that Morgan is ready to roll because I think a lot of us were kind of under the impression that he still wasn't quite NHL ready just yet, um, and now all of a sudden here he is, surprise, surprise, and he's going to be playing, looks like, tomorrow night uh, down in Florida where you're at to see them against the uh, Panthers. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's definitely part of it. I think the other part is right now they could fit him under the cap, but that probably won't be the case when uh, Scott Lawton comes back. Lawton could come back. Saturday, and they're going to be right up against the cap, and they probably have to make a couple moves. Uh, they could put uh, Nolan Patrick on long term, and uh, you know, put some some somebody else down. But uh, I think it's a two game tryout, if you will, to see if he's ready. If he performs well in these two games, you know, they may uh, do some roster juggling to keep him here. If not, no harm, no foul. He's got a little experience, but. Uh, yeah, all the reports I got were the same ones you got, that uh, the last few games uh, he's kind of sagged off a little bit and uh, with Lehigh Valley. But uh, before that, he was really consistent. And uh, I think part of it is to light a fire because, you know, the big guns are not getting it done. The uh, the Voracek's, the Van Riemsdyk's, the Hayes's. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of like that they're trying to light a fire. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I mean, uh, Vino today after practice, you know, had a couple of things to say that I know. I know he he said them kind of. I don't want to say tongue firmly implanted in cheek, um, but at the same time, I think it were they were kind of message senders. First, when he was asked, you know, about about those three guys, he says, you know, uh, I love them as guys, but I need I need more out of them as hockey players. And then, you know, l- later on. Um, when uh, you know when he was talking about the veterans, he says, you know, they have a little bit more money in the bank than the rookies who or younger players. Uh, so you know, basically, they, they get a little bit more leeway. But then he went and said, you know, some of the veterans have been taking too many withdrawals from the bank. Um, it's, it's, so I mean, it's kind of interesting to hear that from the coach. I, I, I think it's kind of basically saying, you know, now's the time for you to figure it out. Uh, otherwise, you know, you, you might not uh, have the job that you think you have uh, in the not too distant future. Yeah, he's done a lot of that message sending. As you know, he's done it with Borchek. This is probably at least the third time, maybe the fourth, he's done it with him. He's done it with Giroux. He's done it with Van Riemsdyk. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it's not. It's interesting. Everybody, every coach has their own style, and uh, his style is to use the media to send the message. That was not the style of Dave Haxtell. And uh, I'm not saying one way is right or one way is wrong. It just, it's just kind of interesting that each coach has his own style. And, uh, you know, clearly Vigneault uh, needs to get more. I mean, that's no secret. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a shame that Nolan Patrick, obviously you're more concerned about Nolan Patrick's long-term health than anything 
but it's also a shame that he's not healthy right now because their lines were a lot more balanced with him. I think if he was here, you know, they would uh, they would have Hayes slotted at number two. Giroux should be at left wing. There's no question. Uh, if you want him to take some faceoffs, that's fine. But uh, he's a better player at left wing, and they just were situated a lot better with Patrick in the lineup. And you'd probably have uh, a young guy. I think Farabee's probably ready right now. Not so sure about Morgan Frost. We'll, we'll see. Maybe he is. But, you know, if Patrick was here, I think uh, Morgan Frost would be getting more time. And I think that might be a little more valuable right now for him in the AHL. Uh, that's not to say he can't come up and, and light it up. And, uh, you know, it creates a lot of interest in the game tomorrow, that's for sure. But uh, Nolan Patrick's injury has just left them uh, really unbalanced between that and the veterans not producing. Uh, they're very fortunate to be 10, 6, and 4. Uh, the defense is much improved, and the goalies have uh, played uh, overall uh, pretty well. I mean, there have been a couple games they haven't, but for the most part, they've done a, a great job. We're talking to Sam Carcitti from the Philadelphia Inquirer, brought to us by DraftKings. Um, and uh, I wanted to ask you about somebody that Russ and I haven't had a chance to discuss uh, just yet on the show today, but Phil Myers. Um, you know, another thing that AV kind of said today – um, about Phil Myers was that uh, he he was responsible for uh, nine uh, tur- turnovers against Ottawa on Friday night, uh, and part of that was part of the reason why he was out of the lineup on Saturday. Just ne- kind of needed to reset. Is this a situation where we kind of got a little caught up, maybe in the fact that he scored goals in three straight games and you know did something that's only been done by you know six other times in the history of the franchise and and it maybe behind the behind that was not some great defensive play in his own end i don't think so i, I think he played very well uh, he had the bad game in ottawa uh, but other than that i think defensively he's been very good um i was really surprised i thought it was an odd move to tell you the truth and um you know you just hope it doesn't uh uh play on the kid's confidence because he's done a good job a real good job at at both ends of the ice to me he's played better than Travis Sanheim Travis Sanheim um you know has been uh you know either falling down or giving the puck away uh to me Myers has been much better than Sanheim with you know the eye test and and um excuse me here I'm really battling uh, losing my voice but uh uh, to me, I mean, Myers is plus seven on the year, I believe, plus uh, six or seven and, and leads the team. And that's not the end-all stat, but uh, it stands for something. And, uh, you know, I was very surprised that he, that he sat him. And let's give Robert Hay credit. I mean, he, he played well. He, he, he jumped in the lineup. Yep. Not easy for a guy to, you know, be out for uh, almost a couple of weeks and, and jump right in. And he, he didn't miss a beat. So, uh, um, you know, to me, Justin Braun has been, you know, it's surprising he would do that to Myers and and not sit Justin Braun. To me, Justin Braun has been very inconsistent all year, and Myers had the one bad game. So, you know, I mean, he's a rookie. I guess you want to send a message. But, uh, um, you know, I I thought it was uh, an odd decision, to be honest with you. 
uh, I don't want to keep you too long, Sam, because I know you're you're, you're struggling with uh, with your voice there. But let's so let's get into the book a little bit. I mean, first of all, I mean, I know you and Wayne for a long time. Uh, you know, two really good writers, and and what first tell me how this idea came together uh, to put together a, a book of this kind where you're going to really identify, you know, the 50, 50 great moments and players, and you know what made the Flyers the Flyers over the course uh, of their first fifty seasons. Yeah, well, Triumph Book Triumph Books is the number one publisher of sports books in the country, and uh, I've been fortunate. I've done uh, four books with them now, and they came to me with the idea. And they uh, they've done this with other NHL teams, and it's uh, kind of a format. They do the top uh, the big five zero, and some people have taken that uh, the title of the book uh, literally. And a lot of people, uh, I've gotten a lot of comments on Twitter and Facebook saying who's number one or what's the number one event. It's really not like that. It's not a countdown to the number one player or the number one event. It's just 50 events that, that I actually handpicked uh, that were either kind of off the wall, odd beat, uh, either a great player, a great moment. And I don't want people to think it's, it's about the Flyers' history. In a way, it is because we do talk about the beginning, how it all got started, the great Stanley Cup years, but we have a lot in there on the, on the Flyers of today. We have a chapter on the, the odd couple, uh, Travis Konecki and Ivan Provorov. We have a chapter on Carter Hart. We have uh, a lot of the current players on today's team we write about. We we go behind the scenes on the Dave Hackstall firing and uh, and the Ron Hextall firing and, and a lot of other stuff, too. It's, it's not just uh, the Flyers of the past and I think my favorite chapter, actually, and I think, Anthony, you would enjoy it because I know you like uh, the arts and, and different offbeat stuff, but my favorite chapter, I think, is uh, the Flyers and pop culture. And it's what goes on to get the Flyers' now iconic logo spread all around the nation. And, uh, you know, Ike Richmond has done a lot of great work to make that happen. And, uh, you know, you watch the Goldbergs, you watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you watch David Boreanaz and his two shows, uh, and I could go on and on. Um, and you see the Flyers, a Flyers pennant on the wall, or somebody wearing a Flyers jersey, Flyers shirt. Some of the shows are dedicated to the Flyers on network TV, not only uh, on TV and in some movies, which we talk about, but... Uh, you know, also with groups from Metallica, um, you know, to Billy Joel, on and on. He's gotten a lot of people to wear the Flyers jersey, and that that makes the Flyers logo not only go, you know, throughout North America, but all over the world, because inevitably somebody takes a photo of it or, or somebody does a video, and that's shown worldwide, and, and they're wearing the Flyer jersey at the time. And, uh, you know, there's about... 12 to 15 groups that have, have done that, worn the jersey. So I, I found that interesting. That's great. There's a lot of work, you know, a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to make that happen. You don't just snap your fingers. Now, David Boreanaz's case, you know, he, he actually is a diehard Flyers fan. And, yep. and you know, we, we see him all the time in L.A. and he, he's in the locker room. And, and uh, so he makes sure, whether it's the SEAL team or, or whatever show he's doing, that uh, a lot of times you'll see him or somebody else wearing a Flyers jersey. So, um, 
you know, but there, there's a lot of work that goes into that. And, uh, yeah, I, I found doing research on that was, uh, was fascinating. That's good stuff. Um, I, I know you guys have been doing some uh, book signings. You've been doing some, uh, uh, like, readings of it. Uh, what do you guys got coming up uh, in the near future for people to bounce out and see? Because, you know, it's, I think it's a great uh, gift idea as we approach the holidays here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, we have one at uh, Main Point Books in Wayne, PA. That's on uh, Saturday from 1 to 3. And uh, where it's, uh, I won't read them all, but if you go to my Twitter page, uh, at Broad Street Bull, I, uh, I pinned the tweet, and we have them listed there. We're at Barnes & Noble and Ben Salem the following week. Uh, we'll be at the Barnes & Noble at Deptford, New Jersey, uh, right before Christmas. And there's several other ones, too. And we're hoping to get one at the Wells Fargo Center uh, uh, down the road. But that's uh, uh, still in the planning stages. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you giving us a few minutes to talk about it. Absolutely. That's Sam Carcitti from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, be sure to follow him on uh, Twitter at Broad Street Bull. Uh, Sam, enjoy the Florida weather, if you can, uh, while you're down yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> a lot warmer down here. It's 75, so. No complaints. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. All right, guys. And we'll see you when you get back on Saturday. Thanks, guys. All right, take care. That's Sam Carcitti, Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, Russ. I've got some breaking news. You have breaking news? Huge news. Oh, okay. Ginormous news. I can't wait, considering you didn't even know the name of the book. You couldn't pronounce the book's Listen, name properly. Listen, you fraud. It says... It says the big 50. But I told you it what people say when you turn 50 five years old, should have you a say 50. 5-0. 5-0 is the f- Yeah. But no, you're like, it doesn't look, say. There's I'm going to no look right now. Anthony, right there's now. no dash. The big it's just big 50. Five, hold on. It's an I say it. Oh, and then hold he on. says 5-0. Hold on. Oh, there we go. Idioms. The free dictionary. Big 5-0. There should be a, there should be a dash. Please. There should be a dash. Please. I'm going to go on to every major party store. And, and we'll see. Go ahead, we'll Ryan. throw it down. No, 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 Lennox. I I don't, well, I'm not having you team up. So we can not throw him team in up. a snowbank. Throw him in a snowbank. Exactly. That's fine. Yep. Breaking news. Can I get to the breaking news yeah, now? Go ahead. DraftKings has launched an online sports book created by sports fans for sports fans, and it's now available in Pennsylvania. That's right. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, has brought their expertise to legal sports betting, and it's already America's top-rated sportsbook app. The DraftKings sportsbook has it all: overs, unders. Player props, in-game betting, and special odds boosts every day for the biggest games. It's not some sort of offshore operation like other gambling sites. It's a legitimate sports book based right here in the U.S., so you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. Get in on the action whenever, wherever. Do it right here in the Keystone State. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code CROSSINGBROAD, in all caps, CROSSINGBROAD. When you sign up for a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's promo code crossing broad. Get a deposit bonus of up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Anthony, you've got a pick this week. Hey, five and two in my picks that I give out here on the, on the radio gave you uh, the Rangers against the Penguins last week. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought I was kind of a little nuts picking the, the lowly Rangers. Rangers won that game three to two. So it puts me at five and two uh, in giving out picks. Not too bad. I, I'm not, I know I'm not as good as Big Bet Bob, who was, I think, six and oh yesterday in football. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, five and two. We'll over be hearing the... from a Big Bet Bob over on uh, <laughs> Crossing Broadcast. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, five and two is not too bad, not too shabby. Uh, so I'm going to give you a game again tomorrow night. I like to give games on Tuesday. 
more so that there's more games to play on Tuesday nights, but also just in case we have people listening uh, on the podcast version of our show as opposed to uh, listening live. That way they can still get their bets in. I'm going to give you the Vegas Golden Knights tomorrow night hosting the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs are a mess right now. Uh, They're going to get their coach fired, and and their coach is a great coach, Mike Babcock, and they, they have just completely tuned him out. They are losing games and losing poorly. I mean, they are just playing some terrible, terrible hockey. They're in Vegas for a couple days. I'll tell you what, anytime a team goes out to Vegas and stays out there uh, for a night or two because they have, you know, the nightlife and the casinos and everything else, those visiting teams are a disaster. So you're going to have a, you have a bad team or a team that's playing bad out in Vegas with extra time you know, to, to kind of futz around while they're out there. I'll take the home team, take the Vegas Knights against the, uh, against the Maple Leafs tomorrow night. He might not be Big Bet Bob, but he is successful San Filippo. Oh, stop. Go check out the DraftKings Sportsbook, available now in Pennsylvania. Go download it, and don't forget to use the promo code Crossing Broad. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania-only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Deposit bonus requires a 25-times playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When we get back from the break, Russ, I, I want to dive into Phil Myers a little bit because I disagree with Sam. I don't necessarily think Phil Myers was all that great defensively. And so we're going we're gonna to dive into that a little bit and also kind of look at the week ahead as we wrap up uh, the remainder of Snow the Goalie here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. <laughs> Welcome back into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers radio show here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. All right, Anthony, I know that people are going to be really surprised to hear this, but you have a contrarian take. It's not a contrarian take. It's not that I think Phil Myers was was a poor has been a poor player, but I think it was the right call to pull him out of the lineup. You could see it progressively getting worse, okay? And, and it was kind of masked a little bit because, like I said, he had scored a goal in three straight games. And I think at the beginning of that run, he was fine. But I think in Boston, he scored a goal in Boston, and I kind of thought in that game like he wasn't great. I thought he was he had some mis- – yeah, he scored a goal, but I kind of thought defensively he wasn't great in his own end. He was. There were a couple of plays where I thought he – you know, 50-50s that he should have won. I think he turned the puck over once or twice. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Everybody's going to talk about Phil Myers scoring a goal in his third straight game, but this wasn't a, this wasn't necessarily a great game for him. Then against Washington, I thought he took another step backwards. He had a really bad turnover. Didn't lead to a goal because Hart made a great save on it, but he had a really bad turnover against the Capitals in his own end. Nearly cost the Flyers a game in regulation. Then he goes to Ottawa, and it, that's where it was really bad. And I'm going to bring up the uh, the quote um, from AV uh, about him uh, that about Bill, the, the, the nine <laughs> the nine scoring chances I've got it right here. You got, so go ahead, read it. Uh, oh, I did have it. There it is. Um, he said that. Where's it at? I just had it. Oh, Russ, it's gone. Oh no, there it goes. Uh, in Ottawa, he he could have been responsible for nine scoring chances against. With coverages and turnovers. Not everyone is going to play great, but it was at a level where I felt like he could use a rest. Phil is going to get back out there maybe tomorrow. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when you, when, you're, when you have a game that is – when your game has gone so awry that you're responsible for nine scoring chances against, you need to sit down and, and reset. Now, when he sure. says he's going to get back there as soon as tomorrow, I think that that's a very real possibility. Um, 
I think that this is a game that kind of is a good game for Phil Myers to get back in against uh, against the Panthers. I'm not certain that Robert Haig comes out. I mean, I, I think it might be, but I wouldn't be surprised if if Braun sits out this game. They're not going to sit Gossis Bear. He's been a little bit better, better last few games, a little bit better, but it's his hometown, and he's from Fort Lauderdale or right outside Fort Lauderdale. Um, so, you know, they're not going to bench Gossis Bear on, at his home game. Um, but he had, and like I said, he's been better. So, I, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if, in fact, he goes uh, uh, he goes in for Braun and not for Haig. I half wonder if part of the reason that we haven't seen Braun taken out of the lineup is, and and I'm not saying that it is for sure. <laughs> he's got money in the bank. Well, I was gonna say that it's it's not that it's an ego move here, but it was a move that Chuck Fletcher made that cost the team a couple of picks. There is a there is a cap hit associated with Braun that people have brought up numerous times, and maybe the idea is, as an on ice leader, as somebody who was supposed to be a consistent contributor, as probably a second pair defenseman, uh, you don't you don't want to make the move if you don't have to. But I think what we've seen from Braun throughout the season is a lot of up and down play, and and the the problem is that the lows have been super low, and I don't think he's been a, a terrible defenseman. But he hasn't been the kind of, of guy that you thought could have at times played even top pair minutes when they had to shuffle some of the lines. No. It, he he or sh- shuffle some of the pairings. It's it's been a disappointing development because I expected better from him. Yeah, yeah. And there's also the issue with Matt Niskanen. Niskanen did not practice today. Um I don't think it'll keep him out of the lineup. Uh I think it was they called it just a maintenance day, which is my favorite line in hockey. Because you know what maintenance day means. They oh maintenance day just needs a day off. Load management. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> uh, maintenance days in hockey, ninety nine times out of a hundred, have to do with the fact that a guy is hurt. Okay, um, so he's got some kind of injury that's preventing him from practicing today. Um, as such, uh, I, I think it's questionable uh, as to whether he plays against Florida tomorrow. So that's the one caveat to this whole thing. Uh, you might see Phil Myers back in the lineup, not necessarily replacing Haig, not necessarily replacing Braun, but maybe replacing Niskanen because Niskanen's a little dinged up. And if that's the case, oh boy, <laughs> because yeah. Niskanen's been the best Flyers defenseman. Provrov had a great game, I thought, um, uh, the other night against uh, the other day against the Islanders. I thought he was really, really good in that game, um, uh, but. Even though he's been better playing with Niskanen, I'm not necessarily sure if you take the, your best guy out of the lineup, that's going to bode well. Yeah. Right? And, and Niskanen has been consistently, like you said, he's been their best defenseman. And the idea of having to shuffle those pairings without him there and knowing that you can rely on that top pair would be a real a real dent to the team's chances of, you know, going forward in the next few games. Let's look at those next few games. Let's do us, it because they go they go on the road. You, uh, for two. you had a great week last week. I know that you know you'd like to pull the audio up a couple weeks ago when you uh, when you had a good week. I don't think we're going to pull up the bad audio from last week. Well, but, uh, I, look, I, I I'm allowed to get one wrong every once in a while because you've been wrong every week wow. so far. Wow. Correct, Ryan. Am I right about that? What did I say last week? That is correct. Didn't I say okay. one and two last week? No, you did. I thought I said one and two. I think you said three and zero. Oh. I did not say three and zero. Oh. That was the week before. Oh, okay. Which they also were, were they three and zero oh the week before? Uh, they were not. No, okay. Um, so, but let's look at it. I mean, they got. I think that these road games are tougher, you know, than than you than normal. Um, 
when you go south. I mean, Florida's never never really a great team, but they're better this year. They have the, they have a slightly better record than the Flyers. Um, uh, they're ten five and five, while the Flyers are ten six and four. So one more point. Um, then you go to Carolina on Thursday, and uh, we know what the Hurricanes are. And even though the Flyers beat them here, um, Carolina's a good team, a fast team, and they're sure. re- and they're really good on home ice. So I think that that's a that's a tough matchup. And then the Flyers come home for um, two games against the Western Conference, the only two Western Conference games in the entire month of November. Uh, it's Saturday at home against Calgary, and then Monday at home against Vancouver. Uh, the the twenty what is that the twenty fifth fifth right yep um so that th- those are the well we'll be back on the air before the Vancouver game but um that those are their that's what's coming up in the next week I, I'm not certain that this is as good a, a, a stretch this week for this team make your picks coward one one and two are you gonna count that Canucks game. You're going to add that one I'll, in? I'll add that one in. Why because are you adding I, that one in? I'm only adding that one in because I'm not exactly sure how we're doing that next week yet from here. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So just in case something goes awry and you're not here or I'm not here or whatever the we'll case be might here. be, we'll be um, I'm throwing the Canucks in. So 1-1-2 uh, one, one is my prediction for the next four games. What do you got? 2-1-1. Uh, one, and one. Okay. one of them comes in a shootout. I think, it's, I think that they're I think, playing... I think they can win one in regulation and then... I could see the Carolina game being one that they they drag out to a shootout. I don't. So I think that's the I think that's the that's the regulation loss to me. I think it is. I think okay. they can beat Florida. I think yeah, it's going to be tough. I think we agree on I, that one. But I think they can beat Florida. I mean, Florida's a good team, but I think it. I don't see Calgary. the The only I guess thought here is that Calgary had a one o'clock game on a Saturday. Dry, you know, flying across country. You know, does that end up playing into the Flyers' hands a bit? Like maybe it does. Calgary's been really inconsistent this year. There was a story came out in the Athletic today about is it time to trade Johnny Goudreau from Calgary? Oh yeah, where where did he grow up? South Jersey. Oh, did he? Yeah. We never hear that. No, not at all. But uh, that that would be an interesting possibility if that continues to fester out there and that continues to become a conversation piece. You know. Everybody in Flyers Twitter is going to say, "Bring him home, bring him back." Oh, trade uh, trade for, for Goudreau. Jake, trade uh, trade Jake for him. Right. Uh, how many years has Goudreau signed for? I think he signed for another th- three years, three more years on his. I'd have to look it up. I didn't. So is he is he as much of a fraud as as Mike Trout is? Being a guy who uh, is a Philly guy, but mm-hmm. signs to stay out west and never have to come home and play in the actual. From what I, from, I'm getting fist bumps over there. From, from what I understand, well, from what I understand, he's not. He's not too thrilled out in Calgary. Then why did he sign? This is the whole. Uh, well, he signed before. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I not like he okay. signed. It's yeah, not like yeah, he yeah. signed yesterday. I, I mean, know. It, it was a couple years ago, right yeah. when they signed him, right? Um, he's already twenty six. Yep. I, he's, it seems like yesterday that he entered the league as like a nineteen year old wonderkin. Life comes at you fast. He's twenty six already. If you don't stop so. and take a look around, you might miss it. All right, Ferris. Yes. Um, <laughs> Shut it down. You know what? We're ending the show now. After that's a that. that's a good call. I, I kind of agree. We got to wrap it up here on Snow the Goalie Radio. Uh, we'll be back uh, next it's week. Monday. Yeah, we think we believe. No, we'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. Um, and uh, we'll have uh, we'll we'll recap the the start of the Morgan Frost era, however long that might last.
Oh, Frosty, the center. That's enough. Enough. Enough with your singing. Thanks to Ryan Lennox for producing this uh, wonderful broadcast tonight. We will see you next week. Stay tuned for the Crossing Broadcast with us, Kevin Kincaid and Bob Wankel, here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia.